Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. I'm moseyed on down to the well today. Drew up a bucket of water. I looked in and it turns out it's filled with the red wave. It's high noon. For Tuesday, April 6th, 2021, follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. You can also find the podcast on Gavin Parlor at I'm your moderator. And if you want a shirt or something, go check out www.cancelcotour.com. Today is the 76th full day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist dummy, fake proxy president, Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party to the point where his administration apparently feels that calling on China for military support is just fine. And we'll get into more of that. Joe Biden is also the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history and the father of one of the most despicable sons in the history of the world, Hunter Biden. So congratulations, commies. You voted us into the axis. But the good news is that we can get back out. And the way you do that, commies, is by redeeming yourself and becoming Americans again. How do you do that? Well, you got to actually think for yourself and try to learn the truth 
and then try to tell other people the truth. It's not that hard unless you're a commie. But welcome, redeemable communists. I'm going to make fun of you. You're going to hear a bunch of things you don't like. But if you just keep doing it for a few weeks, you'll be an American again. And trust me, it's going to work out better for you that way. I just want to take a second and circle back to the Chris Krebs tweet I was discussing yesterday. And for a quick refresher, here's his tweet from Saturday. Just a reminder, the 2020 presidential election was legit, secure, in fact, record turnout to boot. Sounds to me like a model election. Some might not like the outcome, but the systems the framers designed advanced the interests of the American voter as intended. Happy Easter. Now, I talked about the record turnout and then got completely sidetracked, making a point about how relatively few communists there actually are compared to how many we actually think there are. Right. We think that this group of Biden voters is roughly half the country. It's not. And they think that they represent an overwhelming majority of the country. And they certainly don't. And here's some proof. Today, uh, Rasmussen released their latest poll and they asked about whether or not Americans thought an ID should be necessary for voting. And the results are not what the communists would have you believe. Only 19% disagreed with the idea that you should definitely have an ID to vote. 19%. 75% of Americans are on board with having voter ID, just like every country in the world, 75%. And I don't think that that would be intuitive to most communists because the proportion of the white population in the United States of America is 61%. So somehow, even if every white voter thought we should have voter ID, they still found another 14% of the country to go along with this, what I'm told, is a very racist idea. Voter ID is racist, but somehow 75% of the country agrees with it. So what that tells me is that there must be a whole lot of racist people of color. (laughs) But of course, that doesn't make any sense, does it? Which is not to say that people of color can't be racist. Of course they can. I'm just saying this isn't like some white supremacist shutdown of minority populations with voter ID. And the narrative that it is, the entire narrative is just a mess and so racist. I've talked about it enough. We don't have to go into that part again. But 75% as an enormous percentage. And you have to think, especially with the way the public conversation is right now, that 75% of people are aware that these bills are being passed right now. 
which means they're also aware of these bills being passed right now in the context of the 2020 election. If 75% of Americans think that we need voter ID going forward, does anyone, anyone, anywhere believe that Joe Biden got 81 million votes? It's preposterous. Voters across all races believe that voter ID is a good thing. And it turns out they also support a whole lot of other things that the communist media and the communists pretend that Americans don't support. The idea that 90% of Americans are looking for increased gun control is flat out wrong. Americans don't want to give away any of the Bill of Rights, especially not at this point. Maybe if you polled people a year ago or five years ago, or you gave them some fake news poll right after a shooting that everyone couldn't tell was obviously being exploited for narrative, maybe you could have found some high number. But when we see how they do the polling for the elections, and I'm not talking about Rasmussen because Rasmussen was highly accurate in both of the last two presidential elections. But the fake news polls were not accurate at all. And what they're doing is the same thing they did in 2020, which is use polls and the narrative about those polls to convince people that a whole lot of people agree with the dumbest ideas in the world. But it's not true. It's not true. You can see it's not true. And I'm not just saying you can see it by looking at the poll. You can see it with your own eyes, observing people's behavior. You can see it by observing the narrative and how it shifts to continue catering to certain types of people. You can hear it in the things that people say and how their own narratives change. And you could also just have faith that Americans are not all as dumb as the communists pretend. And isn't it interesting that people like Bill Maher have spent so much time calling the rest of the country stupid while not understanding that people with his viewpoint are in a small and shrinking minority and not because they're just the highly educated ones, the only ones doing the work, the only ones who are right. All of that is nonsense. The stupidest people are the ones who, because of polls, because of social media, because of the television, believe that the ideas they hold are not only not the stupidest ideas, but actually really, really smart, but also that they're believed by pretty much everybody. So you have safety in numbers, and then you don't actually have to do the work and find out if you're right or wrong, because... No matter what environment you're in, everybody's going to say you are. Everybody's going to nod their head. And even if you say the dumbest thing ever and no one believes you, they'll still give you the benefit of the doubt because they'll think, oh, well, you know, they're just trying to represent a moral viewpoint. No, commies. No. But let's get back to our good friend, communist Chris Krebs, the former director of the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, the guy who said we had the very secure election. 
I focused on the first half of his tweet yesterday. I meant to focus on the second half, but again, I just kind of got spun out. I was having fun with things. We all went for a ride. That's how it was. These things happen. But the second part here, some might not like the outcome, but the system the framers designed advanced the interests of the American voter as intended. Now, that is one of the most Orwellian sentences I've ever read. He is carefully choosing words to tell a blatant lie while sounding like he's protecting American values. So some might not like the outcome. That's fine. No matter what election happens, some people don't like the outcome. Pass on that. The system the framers designed advanced the interests of the American voter as intended. Well, that actually doesn't sound anything like what the framers of the Constitution intended when they created the voting system that we use here. I'm not talking about, obviously, the logistics. But advancing the interests of the American voter is not some objective standard, okay? Some people think certain things advance the interest of the American voter. Others think the opposite thing advances the interests of the American voter. Chris Krebs actually thinks, according to this tweet, that it was his job to determine what advanced the interests of the American voter and then work toward that. And it's pretty clear that he believes what advances the interests of the American voter is the same thing that advances his own interests, which is complicity with communism. The founders didn't design our voting system to do things like advance equity or sustainability or provide a safe space or advance the interests of the sparkle gender community. Okay. The point was to create a system that would be fair and that could not be messed with. It had a lot of backstops. They anticipated these sorts of problems that people would want to defraud the system, cheat, usurp, conduct soft coups. They anticipated those things because history had taught them that those things happened and that they happen in particular in certain kinds of governments. And that's why the founders steered away from that style of government. So this language that Krebs is using is already super commie. That is not what a person in Chris Krebs's position should be saying. And again, this sounds to me like desperation because he knows something really bad is coming down the pike and it's going to steamroll him. It's because the thing coming down the pike was a steamroller. Now, I don't know why a steamroller would be on the pike and steamrollers don't move particularly quickly, but I hope that Chris Krebs is just down to stand still at that point. Even describing election security that way is odd. Like, why didn't he say, but the system worked as intended and 
achieved fairness for all Americans. One person, one vote, for instance, he could have said something like that, right? Instead, he says the system the framers designed advanced the interests of American voters as intended. The only thing that you have to believe to say this sentence is that you don't like Donald Trump and you decided that anything would be better than Donald Trump, which is what all of the communists who voted for Joe Biden actually thought. They didn't care about anything else. They were so convinced by Joy Reid and Rachel Maddow that getting Donald Trump out of office was the most important thing ever. And so whatever you had to do, whatever lies you had to tell, however much you had to cheat, however many uh, family members and friends you had to disown, disavow, insult, all of that was totally worth it. Because each and every one of those commies told themselves that they are advancing everyone's interest and not just having a tantrum on their own. Because, of course, they were convinced that millions and millions and millions of people think that Joe Biden could be a good president. And not only that, if Chris Krebs wants to maintain his air of professionalism and expertise, why is he speaking to the results of the entire election? His job was saying whether or not there were cyber attacks on the election. And he said that there weren't. That's why he said it was the most secure election. Chris Krebs has no knowledge of whether or not what Ruby Freeman did was okay. Stuffing ballots through over and over and over again. That's not his job at all. He wasn't involved with that. Likewise, he wasn't involved with the fact that 400,000 ballots in Georgia have no chain of custody because that wasn't under his purview. But the media took the letter that Chris Krebs and CISA wrote about the quote unquote most secure election, and they have referred to that as one of the pillars of of their justification that there was no election fraud a million times. Now, Chris Krebs here is being self-referential back to that. And he's also referring to the media reports about him. So he said this one specific thing in this letter, which, you know, was bullshit, but that's not really the point right now. He said that one specific thing, the media ran with that as if it was just hard and fast proof that the election was totally fair and legitimate, even though Chris Krebs was only focused on whether or not there were cyber attacks on the election. I mean, there's no question, first of all, that there was foreign interference in the election. They announced Iran was interfering before the election. And then they've since come back and said that Russia was interfering, but they were trying to help Trump. So right there. It certainly can't be the most secure election. But apparently, Chris Krebs has drank the media's Kool-Aid about Chris Krebs, and now he's using their line that this actually was all secure. Just Not just the little thing that he's pointing to, not the little thing that he's responsible for. The whole thing now is totally clean and totally legitimate. 
Does it really seem very professional or very expert to be tweeting about your opinions on election security, even on the parts that you weren't involved with? It doesn't seem particularly professional to me. And of course, this guy is an embarrassment. Watch him testify in the Senate in early. I think it was early January. I think maybe it was like January 3rd or something. But uh, he is a clown. Now, baseball canceled the All-Star game in the draft in Georgia. Everybody knows that. Last night, they announced that they would be holding the game in Denver, Colorado, which is interesting because Denver, Colorado is 9.8% black and Georgia is 51% black. So they took the business away from black businesses. That's the end result of this. Nothing is going to happen on the voting bill. No one is going to get scared of passing voting bills in other states. And hopefully all these states will follow suit very soon. But even beyond their counterproductive racial nonsense. Colorado requires voter ID. Can you. Understand how monumentally stupid this is. I hope you can. But if you can't, just take two seconds to listen to Jen Psaki. Is the White House concerned that Major League Baseball is moving their all-star game to Colorado where voting regulations are very similar to Georgia? Well, let me just refute the, refute, uh, the first point uh, you made. Uh, first, let me say... Um, on Colorado. Um, Colorado uh, allows you to register on election day. Uh, Colorado has voting by mail where they send to 100% of people in the state uh, who are eligible uh, applications to vote by mail. 94% of people in Colorado voted by mail in the 2020 election. Uh, And they also allow for a range of um, materials to provide uh, even if they vote on election day for the limited number of people who, who vote on election day. Okay, so more than half her words in that non-answer were, uh, and she said, well, let me just refute that first part for you. Did any of that sound like a refutation? I assume that what she thought she was refuting was the idea that Colorado and Georgia voter laws are similar. Is that what she just proved right there? I don't think it is. In fact, I'm certain that she didn't refute that part because Colorado has voter ID. In fact, one might wonder if that's why Colorado had 94% of its people vote by mail. Because otherwise, how are you going to cheat big enough? And it doesn't matter how many examples she gives of Colorado being different in their voting practices. Every state is different than every other state. We're talking about voter ID here and everyone knows it. That's the big problem with the voter election integrity bill. At least that's how they're all saying it. The other thing that they complain about is closing the polls too early, which is a lie, a provable, factual falsehood that they are speaking every time they say it the same with the water thing that I talked about yesterday. So it is about voter ID and she didn't refute anything. 
I think it's important to remember the context here. Uh, the Georgia legislation is built on a lie. Uh, it's There was no widespread fraud in the 2020 election. Now, once again, just by listening carefully to this nonsense, you can watch and hear their narratives break down, right? She just said it's important to remember the context here. The context is that there was no widespread election fraud, so everything that states are doing to fix all the widespread election fraud, that's all based on a lie, and that's the important context. But that's confusing because I was almost convinced by the communists that this was about race. And so if it's about race, do you really need to talk about the lie part? You can see like in motion live in front of your eyes, the narrative shifting to whatever is convenient at that time. Either this is a racist bill or it isn't. And if it is, then we should focus on that. And maybe Jen Psaki, you might explain to us exactly how it is racist without telling us irrelevant statistics that you found in a study. Of course, to do that, you'd have to go back to saying the ridiculous notion that black people can't get IDs and can't use the Internet. And that kind of doesn't work anymore. We were told that Major League Baseball left Georgia because this bill was the new Jim Crow and it would make then Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. If the problem is that the bills and the motivation for the bills are based on a lie, then you could simply disprove the lie on one hand or show that the aspects of the bill that you have such problems with actually aren't problems. But Jen Psaki can't do that stuff. So the problem is racism, and then the problem is the big lie. Now, again, these people are so stupid. She should not be advertising this, and not to give the communists free political advice, but they are basically advertising the idea that states know there was widespread election fraud. Like, at least... Stick to your race baiting, morons. Uh, Georgia's top Republican election officials have acknowledged that repeatedly in interviews. Okay, so maybe she's the worst detective ever, or maybe she's the worst lawyer ever, or maybe she's the worst judge ever. But high-ranking Republican representatives from Georgia saying things in an interview with a fake news outlet is not Proof that there was no election fraud. That's not evidence of anything except corruption. And their party membership has no bearing on the matter. There are plenty of corrupt Republicans. And if you think MAGA people are just all about the Republican Party, well, you're dead wrong. We don't trust any of those motherfuckers. The way to prove that there wasn't election fraud is to open up the process for proper review. It has always been that way since November 4th, 2020. And when she talks about this lie that this is all based on, she should understand that she is referring now to over half the country. And 
she's lying. As if there's no downside of that. I mean, maybe she's just in uh, fight or flight mode. Maybe she just knows if this thing actually does come down, she will be convicted of treason. So maybe she's just trying to save her life. I don't know. Does that sound too harsh? It's not. Uh, and what there was, however, was record setting turnout, especially by voters of color. So you hear that record turnout, just like Chris Krebs said. Yeah, there's always going to be record turnout every time you add millions and millions of fake voters. Not a hard equation to solve. But, oh, it's all people of color. Yes, they fired up the Stacey Abrams election fraud machine. And if you call it that then you're racist because Stacey Abrams is black and she only steals votes from black voters. So it's okay. Right, commies? Instead, what we're seeing here is for politicians who didn't like the outcome, uh, they're not changing their policies uh, to win more votes. They're changing the rules to exclude. Got that? They're not changing their policies to win more voters. They're trying to change the rules. I'm going to assume I don't even have to go into that one because of how absurd it is. Democrats changed rules about voting literally everywhere and exploited the coronavirus to do it. This is projection. More voters. And we certainly see the circumstances as different. Ultimately, they see the circumstances as different. And that's really what's important. She doesn't have to justify any of the things she said, because, of course, she didn't. She didn't refute anything. She certainly didn't answer the question about how they feel about the game being moved to Colorado that has roughly the same voting laws. That was the question. She didn't answer it. These people have no principles. I hope you can see that. But ultimately, sorry, let me add one more thing. It's up to Major League Baseball to determine where they're holding their all-star game. Okay, Oh, so she's saying that Joe Biden doesn't actually have an opinion on where they hold the game because that's their own thing as a private business. He just doesn't want them to do it in Georgia because he had no problem talking about that. He has no problem telling states what they should do about all sorts of things. He has no problem telling corporations what he thinks should be done about all sorts of things. He can't actually tell them what to do because he is powerless. But he expresses all of these things. He repeats the slogans. He does this out loud. But now, no opinion. Now let's turn to Joseph Mengele. I mean, Anthony Fauci. Mentioned Texas in that full ballpark in Arlington yesterday. There was a lot of concern last month when Texas effectively opened up dropped all those restrictions and said it's back to life. And if you go to Texas, as you know, it looks like 2019. The restaurants and the bars are full and open. The ballparks are full. And yet we've seen cases and hospitalizations since then continue to tick downward. So what do you make of that as all of us look around and sort of try to consider how safe it is to get back to normal life? Yeah, you know, it's it can be confusing because you may see a lag and a delay because often you have to wait a few weeks before you see the effect of what you're doing right now. You know, there, there are a lot of things that go into that. I mean, when you say that they've they've had a lot of uh, activity on the outside, like ball games, 
I'm not really quite sure. It could be they're doing things outdoors. You know, it's very difficult to just one-on-one compare that. You just have to see in the long range. I hope they continue to tick down. If they do, that would be great. But there's always the concern when you pull back on methods, particularly things like indoor dining and bars that are crowded, you can see a delay and then all of a sudden tick right back up. We've been fooled before by situations where people begin to open up, nothing happens, and then all of a sudden, several weeks later, things start exploding on you. So we got to be careful we don't prematurely judge that. Now, that's interesting. That sounds like the whole wait two weeks thing from last year, you know? Well, we did this thing, but who knows? We got to wait a couple of weeks and see what happens with the numbers. Nope. Tomorrow, it'll be a full four weeks since Texas dropped the mask mandates. Cases are at their lowest ever, right? Cases, cases. Remember, two people out of every thousand people who get the disease could die. Almost all of them are over 75 years old and have multiple comorbidities. 80% of them are obese. Okay, so cases, cases, cases. No, 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 no. Also, he said that there have been places where people will ease a restriction and then a couple weeks later, it just explodes right in your face. Okay, where? Where did that happen? Dr. Mengele Fauci. I meant Fauci. Where did it happen that restrictions were eased And then something went drastically wrong. That hasn't happened anywhere. Not once anywhere. He's making that up. Florida has been open since September 25th, 2020. Where is their spike? Where is it? It has to have happened by now. It's been six months. There's no proof anywhere that bars and restaurants are super spreader locations. There's been no indication of that anywhere in the world that that's been a problem anywhere. But he still says it. He says it multiple times. He says, oh, well, maybe they're just like getting lucky because maybe they're just outside. I don't I don't know all the details. I mean, that's probably not his job either. Right. Really, what is Anthony Fauci's job? To promote vaccines and to lie to the American people about critical health matters. That's what he does. He's been in government for now, what, 37 years? He's a hack. He's a bureaucrat. He's a manager. This is entirely normal in communist regimes for people to be employed for the exact reason Anthony Fauci is employed. There is no spike coming in Texas. There's no spike coming in Florida. They're trying to preserve the fear for long enough so that they can get more and more people vaccinated and so that they can enforce the mask thing longer and longer and longer until people are ready to accept things like vaccine passports that the federal government says, oh, it's definitely not going to do. But they will advise corporations on how to do it. And that's great because then no one ever has to take responsibility. But let's stay on Joseph Mengele for just, I mean, Anthony Fauci for just a second. 
From the blaze this morning, Fauci must answer why his agency bypassed security oversight for Wuhan lab grant, GOP lawmaker says. Pennsylvania Republican Representative Scott Perry is demanding that President Biden's chief medical advisor, Dr. Anthony Fauci, explain why his agency bypassed oversight of a grant that funded bat-based coronavirus research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. News broke last summer that Fauci's agency, the National Institutes of Allergies and Infectious Diseases, backed the National Institutes of Health in its decision to commit more than $7 million in taxpayer money to fund research at the lab, suspected by some to be the origin point of the global COVID-19 pandemic. It is that point. Newsweek reported at the time that the NIH grants funded controversial and risky gain-of-function research, as well as surveillance of bat coronaviruses at the lab. Federal funding for gain-of-function research, which involves genetically enhancing pathogens in order to predict which may become especially dangerous to the human population, was temporarily suspended in 2014 due to the concern that all it would take is one lab leak and the entire human population could be at risk. Well, what a prediction that turned out to be. Also, let's go back to this sentence in the middle. Federal funding for gain-of-function research, which involves genetically enhancing pathogens in order to predict which may become especially dangerous to the human population. Does that seem like a noble project? Okay. What is the overwhelming good for humanity of predicting which synthetic viruses they create in a lab might become especially dangerous if they were to leak. That doesn't make any sense. And I'm not trying to be anti-scientific here. I understand that the need for ever-advancing knowledge makes sense on some level. I'm talking about this specific knowledge, the idea that we need people in labs who, by the way, wear entire suits and massive like astronaut masks to make sure that they are not exposed to the virus. They don't have bandanas on in there. OK, they don't have little blue masks over another little blue mask in there. They have real protective equipment. But apart from that, why is it a good thing to make something more dangerous just in the hopes that that more dangerous thing might never infect anyone? That makes no sense. We're literally better off not doing any of it. Someone's going to have to explain to me why the study of patented viruses is a good thing for humanity. I guess I'm dumb. I don't get it. Let's continue. Federal funding for the risky research was restarted in 2017 by the Department of Health and Human Services. Only this time, a review board called the Potential Pandemic Pathogens Control and Oversight P3CO. These people are fucking dorks, man. Uh, framework was set up to evaluate 
whether grants that fund research on dangerous pathogens were worth the risk. Here's the answer. Don't require funding to give you this evaluation. They're not worth it. But according to the Daily Caller, a $600,000 grant sent from NIAID to nonprofit group EcoHealth Alliance prior to the pandemic, that's the Peter Daszak group, by the way, which funded game of function research on bat coronaviruses at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, was not transferred to the independent board for review. How odd. In an interview with the Daily Caller, Perry called the revelation very concerning and said when it comes to oversight of U.S. tax dollars headed to the Chinese Communist Party, Dr. Fauci seems like he's literally whistling whistling past the graveyard. Perry, a member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, reportedly said he plans to call on Fauci to testify as to why his agency decided not to flag the grant for board review. An NIH spokesperson had reportedly told the news outlet that the grant wasn't flagged for review because it did not meet the framework's definition of gain of function research. Now, isn't that interesting? Another situation where we find corrupt actors in systems of power redefining words and terms and organizing the rules in exactly the way that they could get away with everything they want to do while making it seem like there's an actual framework to protect the American people when there's not. We seem so cavalier about this approval paradigm for this funding and the definitions seemingly allow you to drive a truck through them regarding what is gain of function research and what isn't Perry noted. It seems to me that this was done by design to allow this kind of research to be done in these kinds of places without any kind of scrutiny. And this is a result of that. He's right. The congressman added that while he and other Republicans have a great deal of interest in probing the federal government's funding of pathogen research in China, Democrats likely won't allow any investigation. Now, isn't that odd? Why would the Democrat Communist Party not want an investigation into the origin of coronavirus. Why? Well, they have to protect the Chinese Communist Party and they have to protect Joseph Mengele, I mean Anthony Fauci. I won't be surprised after requesting to bring these folks in as witnesses, have an open hearing about it, that those things fail to ever occur. I won't be surprised, Perry said. In the minority, we can't force it. If they're not going to allow it or to pursue it, then it just won't happen in the House side. And there we have it. The Democrat Communist Party, with the illegitimate structure they're currently operating under, has no interest in finding out where the coronavirus originated and how it got out and why it was redesigned by humans guided and funded by Anthony Fauci, which truthfully just means it was funded by the American taxpayer. Why don't the Democrats care about this? An investigation into the origins of the pandemic by the World Health Organization last month concluded it was, quote, extremely unlikely that the pandemic was the result of a lab leak. However, that theory is still widely believed, especially considering the great deal of circumstantial evidence. And by that, they mean all of the evidence. The only evidence against that is that communists say it. That's the only thing. 
Adding weight to the theory last year, a pair of leaked State Department cables detailed concerns U.S. diplomats had with safety protocols at the Wuhan Institute of Virology upon their visit in 2018. Huh. They didn't know that it was unsafe, even though they did know it was unsafe. Isn't that interesting? And Fauci just went on and on with it. In one of the cables, officials specifically warned that inadequate safety measures and risky research could result in a new SARS-like pandemic. You know, Peter Navarro called Anthony Fauci the father of the coronavirus last week on The War Room, and Anthony Fauci was asked about that by Neil Cavuto, and Fauci didn't respond at all. He just said, me, the father of the virus? Come on. That's just that's just so bizarre. I don't know about Peter Navarro, but that's just that's just so bizarre. Hey, Mengele, it's not bizarre, it's true. Answer the question. Peter Navarro was exactly right. Anthony Fauci funded this research. Anthony Fauci, Anthony Fauci, okay? That's who did this. We do not have to pretend that this might have come from the wet market. We do not have to pretend that this wasn't the biggest scientific error or the greatest scientific crime against humanity. It's only one or the other, okay? Studying this stuff in the first place is ridiculous. And that doesn't make me some Luddite who doesn't want new knowledge. This is ridiculous. So right there, that's a failure of science. If it got out of the lab by accident, that is the biggest scientific error in history. To the point where this sort of science or perhaps all science, considering how they reacted, should be disregarded except when it is immediately provably useful. Why do we have scads of dorks just sitting around in lab coats all day telling each other how smart they are while they tinker with the destruction of the world? Does that make sense to anyone? And I really am not trying to be anti-scientific or unsophisticated about this. I do appreciate the advances that science has brought us. I very much appreciate them. I'm talking to you through them right now. But this sort of thing is very similar to how I describe epidemiologists. I mean, epidemiology is applied mathematics. That's half of it. The other half is predicting human behavior with this applied mathematics and an understanding of human nature that none of these people possess at all. So they end up with this theoretic toy that they just want to try out on the world. It's like the Wright brothers if they took all of humanity up on the plane with them the first time. It's like, no, nah, man, how about you try that out on yourself first? And then when you think more deeply about it, this really becomes just a bunch of people with zero connection to actual humanity. Telling everyone 
that they can solve death. Humans are still here. As a species, we've done just fine under more difficult circumstances. We're not going to get wiped out. Even if, even if COVID was as bad as the Spanish flu and it's not, that was a hundred years ago. People are still here. Hey, sorry, deaths, deaths happen. Deaths always happen in the time I've been saying deaths happen. More deaths have happened. That's how it goes. We can't stop death. The idea that this sort of research is going to just suddenly save us from pandemics forever is insane. And they're selling this vaccine as one that only helps with this kind of coronavirus. They're not even sure if it's going to affect other mutations of this coronavirus. So they're certainly not preventing us from getting all diseases. Why in the world are we focused on these ridiculous fake vaccines rather than therapeutics that already exist? The only reason we wouldn't be doing that is because these people practicing scientism, okay, not science, scientism, think that they can one up that scenario. They don't have to worry about people getting sick and then healing those people. That's what science and medicine used to be for. Now we want to make sure that people won't get sick in the future from something that doesn't exist until we create it. And now that is a bunch of evil people in the basement figuring out how their theories about the world might work if they actually got to try them on the entire world. And it's not just science. This is Bill Gates. This is George Soros. This is Klaus Schwab. This is Eric Schmidt. This is the Davos crowd. All of their ideas are so great for the entire world that they should get to try them on the entire world. And right there, you have the mindset behind every atrocity that we ever learned about in school. So there's first the question of why we're doing this. But the second question should be, why in the world would anyone put such dangerous activity under the purview of Anthony Fauci? And now one of Fauci's guys, Gavin Newsom, has become so afraid of the certainty of his recall and replacement that he has announced that he'll be opening California fully on June 15th if hospitalizations and vaccinations keep trending the same way. If their bullshit about double mutant viruses doesn't catch hold in the mainstream narrative, and it doesn't seem to be, these people are all screwed, okay? They're literally hoping that another virus comes out that scares people enough. Otherwise, they've got nothing left. Again, these people are down to their final out. Now, who wants to talk about Myanmar? You? Me? Good. We agree. This is from... That rhymed, actually. That was pretty amazing. 
This is from uh, Reuters. This is actually a, a week ago, um, March 31st. U.S. calls on China to use its influence to hold Myanmar military accountable for coup. I'm going to read some of this article, but just hold on that headline for a second. OK, the United States of America is calling on the Chinese Communist Party. To hold the Myanmar military accountable for what they're calling a coup. We are encouraging a foreign adversary's military to enforce our political view on a sovereign nation. That's what the U.S. president, fake president, has stooped to now. This is a disgrace. The Chinese Communist Party has two million Muslim Uyghurs in concentration camps right now. And we're encouraging their interference with a foreign country. So the article, China should use its influence to hold to account those responsible for the military coup in Myanmar, the U.S. State Department said on Wednesday, adding that the violence in the country was not in Beijing's interests. Oh, got it. So we're just looking out for the Chinese Communist Party. Cool. Myanmar has been in turmoil since the army ousted an elected government led by Nobel laureate Aung San Suu Kyi on February 1st, detaining her and reimposing military rule after a decade of tentative steps toward democracy. Now, stated otherwise, the Myanmar military reversed a coup and removed an illegitimate government who had just enacted election fraud in much the same way it happened in America. And the response to the military doing that was basically Myanmar's version of Black Lives Matter Antifa. And one of George Soros's guys has already been detained for funding it. Okay, so it's a microcosm. A parallel, but a much smaller version of one. And our State Department, under the rule of the Democrat Communist Party and their fake proxy president, Joe Biden. The U.S. State Department is encouraging China. To fix this. At least 512 civilians have been killed in protests against the coup, 141 of them on Saturday, the bloodiest day so far, according to the Assistance Association for Political Prisoners Advocacy Group. Oh, okay. well, can we find a better answer than the one advocacy group gives us? I mean, how is this even journalism? We, of course, continue to call on China, on the government in Beijing to use its influence to hold to account those responsible for this military coup. State Department spokesman Ned Price said at a regular news briefing. Now, if you really want to get down to the bottom of it, the people responsible for this military coup are the ones who tried to steal the election. What the junta has done in Burma is not in the interests of the United States. It's not in the interests of our partners and allies, and it's not in the interests of Beijing. Actually, Ned, what they're doing is very much in the interest of the United States because dismantling globalist systems of election fraud is helpful to the United States and 
it should be commended by anyone who cares about honesty and freedom. I know you don't, Ned. You work for Joe Biden. China has traditionally been viewed with suspicion in Myanmar, where it has significant economic and strategic interests and has often backed Myanmar government positions against Western criticism. I mean, so what? While Western countries have strongly condemned the coup, China has been more cautious, emphasizing the importance of stability. Some of the protests against the coup at at times drawing hundreds of thousands of people onto the streets have taken place outside the Chinese embassy in Yangon with protesters accusing Beijing of supporting the junta. Beijing has dismissed social media rumors of Chinese involvement in the coup as nonsense. And that's probably correct. The United States has imposed sanctions on members of Myanmar's junta, including the chief of police, two military units and on conglomerates controlled by Myanmar's military. I wonder if Joe Biden and Barack Obama might refer to this strategy of encouraging China to do it while looking out for the best interests of George Soros and Black Lives Matter Antifa and the Chinese Communist Party as leading from behind. Now, I know this is going to go long, but I wanted to get into something yesterday, and I know yesterday's was crazy long, but I didn't get to this one thing, and I think that this one particular thing is very important. So I'm going to talk about it today, and I hope you're still with me. Uh, I want you, if you're at home sitting in front of the computer, to go to the website MainStreet.One, okay? MainStreet.One has a spinoff called Defeat Disinfo that was directed by former uh, retired General Stanley McChrystal. And the organization is run by a man named Curtis, I think it's Haugland or Hogland or something, uh, who is a far left progressive maniac activist, right? He's basically the one that wants to control everything. He's one of these types of guys, like a Fauci type. So Defeat Disinfo's mission, and they started last year, is to use an AI technology that they developed to combat ISIS and use it on the American people. I've talked about it before, but I was looking into it more deeply this weekend. And I was looking particularly at uh, Main Street One. So this is their mission statement. Every day people say in social and mobile media what they believe and what they want to hear. So we built technology to tell you how and when to change their minds. How's that? We built technology to tell you how and when to change other people's minds. People are most influenced by members of their community who share their affinities and beliefs. So we built a network of 3.4 million content creators and social influencers. And we put them together to win narratives online for campaigns, causes, and companies. 3.4 million content creators. That's over 1% of the entire country. Right? Over 1% of the entire country. 
And yes, I allow for the fact that some of these people might not be American. That's fine. I'm just trying to give you a picture of how big this number of influencers truly is. Everyone you see online being a commie with a big following. There's a good chance they're one of these people. Like I've joked before about that total loser Brooklyn dad defiant on Twitter, right? He's got like this kind of leaning back thing with his head, like trying to look like a tough guy. And he acts like a tough guy too, which is really comical because he's just some bitch ass Brooklyn hipster who likes communism and genocide and thinks that makes him edgy. But that loser is literally getting paid to post his propaganda. And you got to imagine that Main Street One might be the people coordinating that. These people use technology to figure out what narratives they can win and how, and then they pay influencers to disseminate the propaganda. Now, Defeat Disinfo only had around $91,000 in donations last year. And they did all that work somehow on such a limited budget. I assume that Main Street One's budget is way more. And I would be very interested in knowing where their money comes from, right? Because what, is this a Democratic National Committee organization? Are they using campaign funds? Whose money are they using to propagandize America? 3.4 million influencers. Do you understand how much money would be required to adequately pay 3.4 million influencers, even if they're small ones? Even if every one of those influencers only made a hundred bucks, that's $340 million. And we know they didn't only make a hundred bucks. We also know that celebrities get paid to propagandize America in exactly the same way. And they don't cost a hundred bucks. They cost hundreds of thousands of dollars per post. Sometimes depending on how big they are. This is a lot of money. This is a massive billion dollar, multi-billion dollar propaganda campaign. That's what it sounds like to me. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe my logic is flawed somehow and I'm just missing it. That's possible. Otherwise, this seems like a hell of a lot of money to propagandize Americans using a system that was developed by DARPA to combat ISIS. That sounds like an act of civil war against America to me. Is it any wonder that they try to identify Trump supporters as domestic terrorists? Because then that would justify having treated us like domestic terrorists. Now, they have a press page on their website, and I'm going to read you some of these quotes just so you can understand how crazy this thing is and how crazy the media is for treating it the way they treat it. 
from the Boston Globe. It will be harder for candidates to find the voters they're looking for, but social media celebrities may have already found them. What? Candidates can't find the voters. Why not? Is it because no one likes their message? So now we have to pretend that the message no one likes is actually the one everyone likes. And how would you convince people of that? Oh, it would be something exactly like this using military technology. Got it. From the Wall Street Journal, influencer impact is set to grow in 2020. Oh, tell us more. From Politico, it is difficult to maintain a healthy society if the largest producers of narrative content are tilting the discourse toward extremism. I mean, what? The largest producers of narrative content? Are we meant to pretend for even a second that the right are the largest producers of narrative content in the mainstream or anywhere. That is insane. In fact, it is Hollywood. It is social media and it's organizations like main street one that have pushed the narrative toward extremism. It's just not on the right. The Washington Post says there's a better way for Democrats to tackle disinformation. Oh, yeah. It's by calling true things or people's opinions disinformation and then using military technology to overwhelm them. And if that doesn't work because the truth of what they're saying is so obvious, we'll just have the tech platform censor them completely. Vanity Fair says, an outside the beltway technologist working to usher democratic politics into the social media age. <laughs> Can you imagine being them and actually thinking this stuff? New York magazine says one of the few Democrats pushing the envelope on the staid left wing Internet. Well, that's strange. We were told that Barack Obama won twice. By. Beating everyone on the Internet. That's actually not how he won. Maybe in 2008. It's hard to even be sure that he actually did win in 2012. The stayed left wing Internet. Why is the left wing Internet stayed? The Internet is entirely dominated by the left wing. The social media platforms are dominated by the left wing. They literally censor anyone. Who's a centrist or even right of center. And aren't they just always producing great content? That's what we're supposed to believe, right? That commie idiot, Sarah, whatever her name is, who just mouthed out the words to Trump's speeches while filming herself. They pretended that was funny. I mean, so maybe they have a point. Maybe they are really terrible at the Internet. And I mean, they're certainly terrible at memeing. But all this is, is narrative control by force. They're not actually winning the Internet. I'm going to continue looking into this organization because I am positive that their funding sources are enemies of the United States. I mean, that's just my gut instinct, I should say. And I'm fairly certain that they have ties with people I might know 
in Hollywood who participated in getting celebrities into these campaigns. And that is what I really want to know. So hopefully I will know soon. And I hope that I figure it out before she's arrested. And with that, I will be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. And Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and Parler at I'm Your Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a Substack, I'm Your Moderator.substack.com, where you can donate, or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the rain. Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofi. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!